and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon, here with my friend and Chavruta Yerdina Azband, our daf of the day, Masachet Kiddushin, daf Ayin Zayin, page 77. Um, just again, uh, notice to save the date for November 5th, we're, please God, going to have our seum then. Uh, it's a seum both for Masachet Kiddushin and also for Seder Nashim. And again, more details will be forthcoming um, as we get a little closer. We're starting today with a Mishnah, uh, at the very, very top of the daf, bat chalal zachar, psula mina kuna leolam. So if you have, so the case, right, is a daughter of a kohen who is a chalal, meaning he cannot be a priest in his, in anything that he does, really, but his daughter then can also cannot marry into the priesthood, meaning she ever, like there's nothing she can do to fix that. Um, it's simply by virtue of being the progeny of a chalal. And so what that means then is, Right, that they have this. She has a status of a halala, which the Gemara will later talk about, um, because of her father's activities. Really, um, so Yisrael shenasa halala. Now, what happens when a when somebody who is not a kohen, not a levi, just a Yisrael, marries a halala? Bito lakuna. Now, his daughter, the daughter of the Yisrael and the halala can marry into the kuna. So we're talking about the grandchild now of the halal via his daughter. That grandchild can marry the, the into a kohen, could marry a kohen. Halal shenasaba Yisrael bitob lakuna. So what's strange here, of course, is that the, the, the Mishnah now, it just says, a halal who marries a Jewish woman, his daughter is, cannot marry into the kuna. What's strange about that is, of course, that it's a repetition of what we just saw at the very beginning of the Mishnah. Um, and Rabbi Huda says that the daughter of a male convert is like the daughter of a male halal, meaning that the daughter of a ger cannot marry a kohen. As far as I know, I, I would say this with certainty, um, that is not the way we paskin about the daughter of a convert. Um, next, Rabbi Lezer ben Yaakov Omer, Yisrael lakuna. So now we say, what if you have a male gear who marries a female convert? The daughter is fit to marry the kuna. Um, and the gear Yisrael lakuna. And then likewise, and again, it seems repetitive here that the convert who marries a Jewish woman, right, he's converted to Judaism, he marries a, a woman who is not herself a convert. And again, likewise, the issue seems to be, right, if you are a male, the male is the one who has the issue with the lineage, then that can still prevent the daughter of such a union from marrying the Kohen, whatever. But if it's the female who was a Giyoret or a Halala, etc., it doesn't transfer to the next generation. Next. So when we're talking about converts and we're talking about Avadim um, right? Canaanite slaves who are now freed, the claim here is that even for 10 generations, the daughters are still going to be considered unfit to marry into the priesthood. You know, assuming here, right, that we're talking about specifically the, well, I think that this is the man who's got the issue, uh, you know, Afilo And then it says, until we're talking about a mother who's born Jewish. So it's very confusing because 
aren't we talking about an Evan Mishukar? Aren't we talking about a male slave who's married to a female Yisraelite? Right? Why is this an issue? And then Rabbi Yossi says that a male convert who marries a female convert, you know, you've got an issue of conversion for both parents. The daughter is fit for the kuna. And again, I think that's what we, how we paskin. But this Mishnah is very, like, it's complicated in that it repeats and it's complicated in that it seems a little bit to contradict itself. And then the Gemara, which is going to pull this apart, I would say the Gemara doesn't do it in the order that I would like it to, um, which is, you know, chutzpah of my, on my part to say what I would think should happen here. But it begins by saying, my le'olam. What does it mean from the very first line that we say that the daughter is unfit, the daughter of a halal is unfit to marry a Kohen forever? So I translated to say there's no way to fix that, but let's see what the Gemara says. So the Gemara explains that if you wanted to say that the halacha for this, for the halala, for the daughter of the halal, should be the same as an Egyptian convert or an Edomite convert, where they're not really supposed to marry into Kahal Hashem, into the Jewish people for three whole generations. So you might think that here also the Halal, the daughter of the Halal, meaning keep going down the generations, should not be able to marry to the priesthood. You would think that it would only be a restriction for three generations. So the Mishnah says, no, no, le'olam, meaning that prohibition is a permanent thing on this particular lineage. But then, Yisrael, Yisrael, right, this is the case of the Jew, Israel, Israelite, who marries a halala, right? That daughter is going to be fit to marry the priesthood. Like, how do we even get the idea that there's this, this flip side, right, where she could marry the Kohen? We have two statements, two Sukim, really, one from Vayikra, both from Vayikra, from chapter 21. One says, you know, he's not going to, he's not going to bring halalut, he's not going to bring uh, profanity in this way to, amongst the people. And the other one says he's not going to become impure, um, you know, as a chief among his people. So now we understand, it says, you know, in the one case here, it's talking about men and not women, and the other case is talking about men and we're not women. So we can understand that it's the males who are the issue for the progeny, and the females are not going to be a problem, right? And since the Gemara comes up, goes on to ask all these questions like, well, if that's the case, then you shouldn't have a problem in this case, and you shouldn't have a problem in that case. And as I say, like the Gemara here does, I, I think it does address all of these questions that we raise as we read this Mishnah, right? But maybe not in a quite a succinct matter, manner as I might like. Um, and lastly, I just want to say there's also a discussion here over whom is the Mishnah according to. And that becomes relevant because of this element of confusion here, right? Because, you know, it gets into, well, who is it like? Well, it's not according to Rav Dostai ben Yehuda. And I don't want to get into the details of it right now in the interest of time. But those kinds of distinctions help elucidate this Mishnah in really important ways. All right. Um, I think the Mishnah itself, this whole category of halal and really more the halala and how it sort of lasts through generations is a very interesting category, kind of an upsetting category. 
um, but sort of similar to Mamzerus. Like it's something you sort of can't ever get rid of. And I think in a way it's sort of trying to make the Cohen think about it before, you know, he were to do something that would produce a a halala. But on the other hand, in a way, it's sort of punishing the child. Um, And I think that's a little bit upsetting, at least to me. Not just to you. Okay, good. Thanks. All right. I'm going to move on now to a really, I thought, a kind of a bizarre brysa. And this sort of follows the type of halachic discussions, which is sort of like, if a person does a lot of different sins altogether, what are they actually liable for? Um, And we saw this, you know, in Shabbos, that was probably the most famous one, right? Or, you know, there was a discussion about like how many chatas, right? How many sin offerings could somebody sort of, you know, invoke in one single action? And so here the bracelet says as follows, So let's say a Kohen Gadol is, you know, intimate with, has a sexual relationship with a widow, a widow, and a widow, right? He only needs to, he only is chayab, uh, one set of malkut, one set of lashes. Okay, the Gemara is going to explain this case a little bit more later. Grusha, grusha, grusha. If a Kohen, Gadzor, an ordinary Kohen, right, has a sexual relationship with a divorcee, a divorcee, and a divorcee, also only has gets one set of lashes. Almana ugrusha v'chalala. Let's say the Kohen Gadol has a sexual relationship with a widow, a divorcee, a chalala, and a zona. Sorry for I didn't read the word zona there. Um, and this is the exact quote of a pasuk in Vayikra in that order, chapter twenty-one, verse fourteen. Bisman shehin keseder, right? Provided that he, you know, is sort of intimate with each of them in that order, right? Or in other words, sorry, or it's that it's one. Uh, in other words, the case is it's one woman who, in that order, was widowed and then divorced and then became a halala. And then a zona, okay? Chayev alkal achat bachat. In that case, he would be, he would have to actually get one set of lashes for each of those prohibitions. Zinta benit chalala benit gasha benit armana. But let's say this woman became a zona and then a chalala, and then she was divorced and then she was widowed. He wouldn't be chayev uh, except for only one set of lashes, okay? Now, again, this is a very, I, I really think this is a boundary pushing case, right? This is, I don't think there's one woman who, um, you know, did all of this. The case would be is that she was of that first case, right? Where she was a widow, then a divorcee, then a halala, then a zona. It would be that she was married and widow, then married a second time and divorced. Then she marries a Kohen and becomes a halala, right? Because a divorcee who is intimate with a Kohen becomes a halala, and then she has relationships with a forbidden re- uh, relative or someone who's pasul, and then becomes a zona. That's how Rashi explains uh, how this case would actually happen. Um, and the Gemara is going to explain later why the Brisa says that if it's in the reverse order, right, he would only get one set of lashes. So now the Gemara wants to explain this very bizarre Mishnah, Amar Mar, Mar said, Almana, 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 right? If a coin Gadol was intimate with a widow, a widow, a widow, he only gets one set of lashes. Hi, Almana, hey, So, what is the case around this widow? Let's say it's that the coin Gadol is intimate with the widow of Ruvain, and then with the widow of Shimon. 
Levi, and then with the widow of Levi, right? In other words, he was intimate with three different widows, right? Then why does he only get one set of lashes, right? He should get three sets of lashes. Right? These three widows with whom he, you know, had a relationship with are each sort of, they're each separate. And therefore, they're each separately prohibited to him. So why would he only get one set of makos, one set of lashes? So the Gemara is going to have a different reading of this b'risa. Ela Shabbat al-Amna achat shlosh bio, right? So rather, what it means is, is that he has a sexual relation. He's intimate with a single widow three times. And that's what it means when it says al-Mana, al-Mana, al-Mana. I was purposefully vague when I first read it because it's interesting to see how the Gemara tries to solve this. Now, the Gemara is going to reject this. And then again, we'll say, right? If he was not warned, right? Before each time that he was intimate with her, okay, then it's obvious he only would get one set of lashes. But if he was warned before each time he was intimate with this widow, then again, why would he only be high of one set of malkut? He should be high of each time. And why do we know this? Because we learned in a, in a Mishnah, um, and here they quote a Mishnah that appears in Nazir and also in Makot, Bahatsnan, Nazir Shaya Shotayayan Kolhayon Kula. Remember, this is a similar type of thing, right? The Nazir who drinks wine uh, all day, right? These similar types of cases where we try to push the limits of how much sin could you do in one, you know, at one period of time. Enochayev el is only liable to one set of lashes. Amrulo al tishta al tishta. But if they said to him, "Don't drink, don't drink," in other words, he gets warned. Buhu shota and he drinks. Chayev al kol achat Then he is then he is actually chayev. He's liable for a separate set of lashes each time he drinks after the warning. So this shows us that once you get a warning, right, you're chayev each time. So it can't be that he was warned. Lot zricha shabat al so then the Gemara says, okay, no, the case has to be that first he was intimate with the widow of Ruvain, Shahita Almana Shimon, who was also the widow of Shimon, Shahita Almana Levi, who was also the widow of Levi, right? In other words, she'd been married three times and widowed three times. Mahu you might have said, the woman, right, sort of is three times prohibited because she's a widow three times. Kamash Malan, the Brisa comes to teach us. Uh, right? That no, they have to actually be separate people themselves, right? To require more than one set of malkos, the leka, and here they aren't, okay? Uh, they're going to go on to continue to deep dive into this brisa. I'm not going to read um, all of it, even though I actually happen to think it's very, very interesting. I just sort of started uh, the beginning of it. The next section is going to talk about. Uh, why the order is actually important and why it has this particular order. Um, but I just felt the Bryce itself was a very interesting Bryce, right? Like, I don't think the Bryce is meant to be literal in the sense of, I don't think this is a case that actually happened, but it's, you know, one of these sort of like brain teaser Mishnas or Bryce's we see where they sort of try to really deep dive into what are the outer limits and the parameters of this particular type of sin. And also make sure that in the event that there were such a case, like a, a real outlier kind of case, they know exactly what to do. Right, exactly. 
Um, and uh, I, yeah, but I don't know that this case would have necessarily happened, but I agree with you. You know, it, I, I guess it would tell you what to do, but uh, you know, I am going to point to sort of our rule that we developed. There's no case here. Like they don't show it. They don't come with a case of where this actually happened. Right. There's no name. There's no Batian agreed. Right. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Reverend Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hydrum website. Let us know what you thought about this DAP on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.